Right, hi friends, and welcome back to House Wine, because every wine you're drinking in your house is technically your house wine. I'm Rachel, and I'm the host of this podcast. I also write this podcast, and I'm uh, in my little pillow fort in Toronto right now, so that is where I record from. So this episode is uh, a mini-sode. We've done a couple mini-sodes before. Usually when um, restaurants threaten to open here in Toronto and I get a little uh, delayed, so it, it takes the pressure off the process of making the podcast a little bit, but we're going to do a bit of a different mini-sode today. And for this uh, for this little episode, this little, tiny little episode, we're going to talk about a historical figure that comes up a lot uh, when I'm doing research on wine in antiquity. And really just a fascinating character in the world of wine, and that is Pliny the Elder. I first knew of this person, uh, not actually through wine, but there is a really famous beer called Pliny the Elder, uh, which is brewed by the Russian River Brewing Company in California, and it is a double-hopped IPA. And as a brewery, they were kind of on uh, the first wave of like the craft brewing craze that picked up steam a couple years ago. As a style, this beer, the Pliny the Elder beer, was a highly replicated style by other breweries, but also just really had great marketing. I'm not a huge IPA fan, uh, but if you are, it's definitely worth checking out uh, if you can get your hands on it. It's a, a pretty cult beer at this point, and it, it delivers hops on all fronts. Their website says that they named this beer to pay homage to the work that Pliny the Elder did in recording the traditions and innovations of Roman beer brewing, uh, which is true. He did write a lot about beer brewing, but he also wrote about wine. Uh, so Pliny the Elder was foremost a writer in ancient Rome, uh, born in Como in northern Italy around 24 AD, at really the height of the Roman Empire. He was taken to Rome to be educated as a lawyer, but ended up serving as a military official, which is when he started his extensive traveling. FYI, this tiny little episode is a real shout out to all of you who keep telling me you love history episodes, because this is a all-out history episode. We know that he traveled throughout Italy, but that he also went through Germany, France, Spain, and pretty much ended up getting around sort of the whole of the Mediterranean basin. As he had initially been trained as a lawmaker, he had the unique ability to write and to document his travels, much of which involved wine and wine culture. And as we know at this time, Italy was a thriving wine culture. He also took a unique interest in wine grapes and the styles of wine that were being made throughout the Roman Empire. As a soldier, his first posting was in Germany, where he wrote his now lost book on the ability of German tribes to perform archery and javelin throwing from horseback. This book has, like I said, since been lost, but it is fortunate that Pliny the Elder has a nephew who followed his uncle's footsteps as a writer and is known as Pliny the Younger. Pliny the Younger's works uh, reference his uncle's writing a lot, and so though some of the elders' works didn't survive, we know of them through the writing of Pliny the Younger. This <laughs> little tidbit has nothing really to do with wine, but I just think it's generally a cool fact and shows that he really had a keen interest 
uh, from the get-go about writing and documenting life at the time. He would go on to see many changes in hands of the Roman government and in emperors. And for the better part of his middle life, he was based out of Rome. This is Pliny the Elder we're talking about, and we'll continue to talk about for the rest of the episode. He documented the Great Fire of Rome in 64 AD uh, before he would go on to do most of his traveling and write what would become his definitive surviving book, and really one of the main surviving books that we have from the Roman Empire, and that is Natural History. Natural History is considered to be the first encyclopedia ever written. It's made up of 37 books, all covering a different aspect of the natural world as it appeared in ancient Rome. And book 14, as well as a little tidbit of book 17, was all dedicated to wine. Though, as I have mentioned before on this show, uh, the wines of ancient Rome have never really been connected to the modern wine grapes of today's Italy. All the work that Pliny did was very important, though, as it shows us kind of the development and the origins of Italian winemaking. And though none of the grapes may be the exact same as they were then, we can still draw parallels to wines and regions that Pliny talks about in his work Natural History. So the chosen wine of the nobility and emperors of Rome was a wine called Falerian, F-A-L-E-R-I-A-N. And it was a grape that was grown on the volcanic slopes in the province of what is now known as Campania. And the wines were even divided into three separate crews here. They were white wines, and they were made in both dry and sweet styles. And this is, you know, um, like was reserved for the very highest echelons of society. Today, in the same region, there is, in fact, a wine region called Falerno del Massico. It's a DOC. And though it's very unlikely that the wines they make there now are anything like the wines written about by Pliny the Elder, these wines are all dry in style and made mostly from a red grape called Primitivo. And it's a little far from the sweet wines of ancient Rome, but it's interesting that even still today, there's a wine region that references this ancient growing area. But he did not stop Pliny at the wines of Campania. The wine regions today that we know as Tuscany, Veneto, Friuli, and even La Marche, which we have talked about on the show already, uh, were all documented and given rankings based on their strength, their taste, and their medicinal qualities. It would have been impressive enough at the time had he just discussed the natural properties of wine on Italian soil, but he did not stop there. He wrote about the wines uh, from the right bank of Bordeaux, the wines from the Rhone Valley, both of which areas we have already talked about. Uh, and he's even described uh, grapes that sort of may have been the ancestors of really famous grapes like Syrah and even some of the grapes that may have spawned the Cabernet family. He was also kind of a tough critic, though. <laughs> Towards the end of his life, he writes about how upset he was at the poor vintages and the bulk wine that was being made uh, to satiate the growing population of Rome and especially to feed the growing armies. He even managed to isolate soil types and noted that the best grapes for growing in Campania, uh, noting that the Romans loved the wines made of Falerian, was most likely attributed to the black volcanic soils there. And 
that these soils would not be suitable for just any grape. They were very suitable for this particular grape, Falerian. He also had a particular love of the wines from Prosecco, another region we've talked about. Oh my gosh, this is, I think, I think as I'm recording this, this is episode like 26 or 27, and we've already covered so many regions. Wow, I'm so proud of us. But he also loved, he loved Prosecco, which at the time was not like the sparkling Prosecco we know today. He said they were some of the most medicinal wines in the entire Roman Empire. But like the beer that pays homage to Pliny the Elder, he also had a whole volume on beer and the ways in which they were used for healing properties and the way in which hops could be used as a preservative. Of all the regions that Pliny loved to talk about in his volumes of natural history, he had a real particular love of the wines of Pompeii which he described as having chalky white soils perfect for growing wine. His time studying the wines of Pompeii led him to have many friends in the area, and when Mount Vesuvius erupted, Pliny led a fleet of warships on a rescue mission. However, it was his curiosity and his love of the natural world that got the better of him in the end. He was caught in a plume of toxic gas from the eruption of Mount Vesuvius, just outside the city, and suffocated to death as a result of his rescue attempt. For me, to love wine is really to love the history of wine. (laughs) And though many of the works of Pliny the Elder were lost in the eruption of Vesuvius, and then some were also just lost in, you know, the sands of time when the Roman Empire fell, knowing that the human curiosity for wine is so rooted in history, it just really makes me feel all the feelings. But that's Pliny the Elder, really fascinating guy, uh, guy, really fascinating historical figure who um, really was one of the first people, even, you know, predating the monks of Burgundy to look at wine and think, hmm, there's something here. Let's figure out what it is and start talking about why we grow grapes where we grow, how we grow grapes, how we grow grapes, and just sort of start putting the pieces of the puzzle together. So this was our tiny episode this week. If you learned something, if you're going to do a Wikipedia search on Pliny the Elder, uh, scroll down, leave this podcast a couple of, not a couple, all the stars, leave it a great review and subscribe and do all of that stuff. It really goes a long way to help me out and uh, show, show some love. So if you did note any... Uh, corrections or mistakes, there's a couple ways to get a hold of me. Or if you're just desperate to get a hold of me anyway, you can email housewinepodcast at gmail.com or you can look me up on Instagram. My handle is at Rachel Picard. That's Rachel with an A-E-L and Picard like the captain. Or Housewine even has its own Instagram where you can see all the um, cool maps, animated maps that I post. So check that out and I will see you all next week week. Have a great week, guys.